Blog Talk Radio. You don't have to be. <laughs> you don't want to be at this point. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This is not the show for you. But <laughs> I know that's why you tuned in, because you like hearing my foul mouth go off. Anyway, congratulations to Desperate House Witches. It is the 12th year this month. It is the 12th anniversary of being... On with you nice folks and loving every minute of it. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for keeping me on. Uh, I hope to be on for at least another 12 years, but your Auntie Aina, your Auntie Raina, your Auntie Raina is aging rapidly is what I was trying to say. See, I just proved it. Anyway, <laughs> Desperate House, which is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com while you can. Shop is Closing up around the 1st of March. So if you need some goods, if you need some bottles, if you need some sprays, oils, candles, you name it, she's got it. Go get it while you still can from wickedwitchstudios.com. Tell her Raina sent you. Um, there were some questions about whether or not this show would continue after uh, this show will be on until I drop off the face of the earth. So, <laughs> Um, thank you to everybody who reached out um, regarding my mother's passing. That's why I missed last week and the week before. It has been nutty. I got to tell you, I'm so excited, though. I have got the amazing Danielle Velsky on, and I have been trying to get this woman on the show. I can't even tell you all how long. I think two or three years I have been trying. It's, it's, it's been a hard one, but I finally got her. But before I bring her on, um, also want to give a shout out to my sister and my wonderful cousins. I miss you guys so, 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 so much. February obviously loved me and hated me at the same time this year because, as everyone knows, two years ago my husband almost died in a car wreck. Last year my car got hit by a tree and my ex-husband died. And this year, obviously, my mother passed, all in February. But I also got to see my family, who I haven't seen most of in over 25 years. So it has worked out in a very weird, strange, delightful, and horrible kind of way. But enough with that. On with the show. Let me tell you a little bit about the guest. Danielle Dolsky is a heathen visionary. I love that. Painter and word witch. I love that too. Uh, the author of the Sacred, Sacred Hags Oracle, Seasons of Moon and Flame, Woman Most Wild, and The Holy Wild, and now, I have to say, author of, and I'm going to read this whole goddamn title, so you better fucking listen up, Bones and Honey, a Heathen Prayer Book. I love that. Danielle, thank you so much for showing up for me. I really appreciate it. How are you? 
I'm well, Raina. Thank you so much for having me. Happy anniversary. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. So, okay, this book just has, I mean, I'm very lucky in this regard. Sometimes books just kind of show up when I need them exactly. And, you know, I've been a practicing witch for almost 50 years. Fuck, I'm old. Okay. So almost 50 <laughs> years, I will be six. I'll be 63 in October. I do not shy away from my age because why would I? I'm lucky I made it this far. Okay. So I actually talk, I have talked about prayer and I have gotten some really negative shit for it because I'm a witch, a practicing witch. I'm also a prayerful witch. Thank you so much for not avoiding the word prayer. But I got to know, have you taken a lot of shit for using that word? Yes, I have taken a lot of shit for using that word. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. What's your experience um, with that? What's been go- what's going on? Well, I mean, I know what's going on when people give me shit for saying prayer because I tend to share the same wounds that they do from uh, the way mm. prayer was presented to me as a child. I was raised very born again Christian up until about Same. age 12 and I went to Same. church twice yeah. a week and my school was a born again Christian school. So, I mean, oh. I, I had like even the, the five different types of prayer down, like we had to memorize it and we were tested on it. And of course I was very wounded by all of that <laughs> to go on and on about all of the woundings that I had from my born again Christian upbringing. But um, what I tend to tell people who have issues, or witches specifically, who have issues with the word prayer is that, you know, if you're a huge word nerd like I am, then you know that every yeah. word has a story kind of tucked inside of it. And so the story that prayer, ha- that the prayer is kind of wrapped around, the word prayer, is earnest request. So prayer just means mm-hmm. an earnest request. And so when a witch would cast a spell or chant a charm, you know, they're always considering where that's traveling and, you know, to whom are you, um, to whom are you petitioning? And a prayer is really much the same. So it doesn't need to be to a deity. It could be to your future self or to your ancestors or to whatever power source you might be working with. Um, so I can usually dismantle the, the trepidations people have around the word prayer if they let me, um, which sometimes right. they don't. But <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to say ignorant, you say it's ignorant. I'm I'm all for the knowledge, but I gotta say, so you know, my mother passed on the second of February, and had your mm-hmm. book, and I'm like, ah, perfect timing. I think I'm gonna grab this and take it with me which I did, um, and it was awesome because I was also raised by Pentecostal. Well, I don't know if your folks were Pentecostal, but both of mine were Pentecostal no. preachers, and if anyone has ever heard me talk about that, will know that I think that's a whole lot of hooey and hot air um, because I've been on the inside of it, and it's a bunch of bullshit and power. Um Right. Everything you see in politics that you guys have heard me talk about, because my happy liberal ass is never shying away from politics, um, <laughs> the situation is is that there's always money behind it in my experience. That may not be mm-hmm. everybody's experience, 
but this is why I have shied away so vehemently, especially since my mother did not start off that way. My mother started off as a practicing witch. So, yeah, mm-hmm. to talk about backwards, we've got it in my family. But anyway, this book, yeah. I will tell you, I, I don't know what I initially expected when I first opened Bones and Honey, but it wound up being so much more than a prayer book. It is art and poetry and vision and so many beautiful things um, that I did not expect. I, you know, when you, hear, when you hear prayer book, even me as a witch, because I've got Wiccan prayer books all over the fucking place. Um, so for me, this book was so much more melodic and so much more earth, earthy. I don't know if I'm saying this right. But I, when I think yeah. of you, I think of somebody who is very grounded and earth-based. Am I totally missing that? No, that's absolutely – well, I don't know about grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely very earth-based, and I've always tried to get back to the earth-based traditions of my ancestors, so trying to go, you know, far enough back that I can get beyond – colonization and Catholicism and all of the things that are there in my lineages. So earth-based, yes. Grounded, I'm not so sure, but <laughs> ah, <you're laughs> I'm <funny>. trying. <laughs> Aren't we all shit? So tell me a little bit about how, how you started out. Because um, this book is really fascinating, and it's big, and it's wonderful, and you break it up into all of these different other books in the book. I'm like, holy shit, she is doing a deep dive on emotions and situations and feelings with this book. I was like, damn. How did you get from from your beginning to this? I mean, like, how did you start? All right, so let's start with something super basic. Like, did you always know you you were a heathen? Did you come to heathenry later in life? Is it something that somebody else in your family also practiced but maybe in secret? Give me a little bit of the origin. Oh, I wish that was true. <laughs> Somebody in my family practiced it on a secret. That would be such a cooler story. Um, I mean, maybe. I, I, I seriously doubt it, but I guess it's possible. Um, yeah, my, my beginnings. So whenever I try to explain the strange product that is me, I have to name that while my mother was very strict born-again Christian, my father was a atheist biker. <laughs> and so right they, they had a very volatile relationship. They were married and divorced three times, and um, it was very heated and passionate and also incredibly you know, dysfunctional. <laughs> so right, I was right, raised right. in that environment. And my I lived with my grandparents half the time, my dad's parents, so they were very cookies in the oven type people. But um, my grandfather was also very strict born again Christian. So I had a lot of that um, that energy and that, you know, the notion that God is only a man and um, when I was about nine years old, for some reason, I decided I was, wanted to be a nun because nuns were so cool in my mind. We had like this, my, my mom's aunt was, uh, was a nun and we would go visit her and I was like, wow, this just seems so great. These women just live here. And 
they have all of these golden things on the walls and support again yeah. Christians, you know, Catholics are very I mean, almost evil because they they put too much credence into Mary. Um, so I remember that being explained to me by my grandfather and thinking like, Wow, that's really wild <laughs> somehow oh Catholicism is, isn't good enough or something. So um so anyway, and then there was there was a big change that happened when I was about 12. There was a lot of addiction in my family that started to take over, and a lot of the yeah. control that was there around religion kind of fell apart because, you know, people were drinking and popping pills. And, um, and so, you know, it, in a way, even though that, of course, had its own dysfunction, there was a lot of freedom in that for me because um, nobody was really yeah. paying attention anymore. <laughs> And I wow. could have could really do whatever I wanted. So I was hiding the spiral dance by Starhawk under my bed, you know, before I was yeah. 15 years old. Um, I was going to the local witch shops. I was just telling somebody else that, like, the, those of us witches. So I just turned 44, and we didn't have we, we didn't have a virtual coven that we could join. We didn't have like a Google where we could research things. What we had in the 90s was the local witch shop that maybe you would have to drive pretty far to get to. But whoever was behind that counter, you know, you could ask them whatever you wanted and hopefully you wouldn't annoy them too much and they would answer you. So that was a lot of my teenage years was going to the local new agey town that had a lot of witch shops where I could ask the questions and, you know, not be told I was going to hell and, um, yeah, so th- that was kind of where the intrigue started. And then when I was 18, I couldn't get out of my parents' house fast enough, so I moved to Ireland and I lived there for a little while. And that gave me a real kind of ancestral ground, not for witchcraft really, for, you know, this understanding that the other world is real, that, you know, there's there's something kind of unseen afoot all the time. I just had so many otherworldly encounters when I lived there and almost died a couple of times. And I just had this sense that, you know, there was a kind of hidden intelligence afoot that was organizing my experience. Uh, So when I came back home, I dove deeper into witchcraft and I joined a coven uh, when I moved to Florida and that had its own kind of insidious um, influence <laughs> on me and I had a lot of um, you know like strange understandings of like well this really doesn't seem all that different from church <laughs> in some way yeah you know some, no, some things were very cool but other other things yeah. weren't so um, I stayed with that and then I had my children when I was pretty young in my 20s and I just remember having this knowing that like I didn't want them to have to be apologize for what they believed in or have to hide what they believed in, which was what I was doing at the time. And I just decided I wasn't going to hide it anymore when I was 25. And so I started, you know, being a bit more open and telling people what I was practicing. And um, after my great Saturn return wounding in my late twenties, I got divorced, family fell apart, um, moved back to where I'm from in Pennsylvania and decided I was never going to tell anybody that I was a witch ever again, just because it was so painful. And um, 
and then that lasted like five minutes and then suddenly I was you know teaching and leading my own coven when I was <laughs> I moved back and, and it's been that that was about 15 years ago so I've been very out in the world since then and my children have been raised in this relatively small town where everybody knows each other and yeah their mom's yeah. the local witch and <laughs> they've, they've had to deal with that so they have their own wounding but it's from mine <laughs> definitely no i'm i'm actually going through a little bit of it right now with that because you know i don't because of what i went through having pentecostal parents who were preachers say that's 10 times so yeah. anyway um yeah that was a nightmare <laughs> in and of itself but because of the way um, things changed in my family. I decided that I was going to raise my kids with no religion and that religion right. is a very personal thing and that people have the right to pick it for themselves. And if and for anyone who's listening who's like, but what if they die, they'll go to hell? Okay, so any God <laughs> that would damn children to hell because of another human being's action or inaction. I, I can't grok with that. So sorry. Take it to the next case. Anyway, so, yeah. you know, my kids were grow they grew up with me being a witch, an active witch, a, a witch who would do shit in the house. Um, you know, they were allowed to ask questions, observe, whatever, and if they wanted mm-hmm. to take part, that's fine. If they didn't want to take part, that's too. Uh, again, very personal decision. So I'm having this conversation with my 31-year-old, and I'm like, so what's up? Because it's in a relationship, and we love this person that he's with, and it's awesome, and, but she comes mm-hmm. from a very Christian background, and I was asking mm-hmm. my son, I'm like, so uh, do her folks know about your mother yet? And he's like, I don't think so. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's going to come up at some point. We may have to deal with a certain something, something about it. And he's like, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I'm I'm so tired of being the one who has to hide shit. Like you said, yeah. you don't hide shit. You made a conscious decision that you were right. out there and you know, loud and proud, which I aspire to all the time. I first started coming out at my place of business not long ago. Matter of fact, it was December where it was like I started dropping hints about Yule and the things that I practice and the things I believe mm-hmm. and, you know. So, you know, yeah. and but here I go coming up against this shit, and it's like yeah. I'm trying to deal with the fact that his girlfriend, you know, totally accepts me. I totally accept her. I don't ask anybody to convert to anything on my behalf. But I'm also still at this fucking old age dealing with somebody else's shit about witchcraft. You know what I mean? It's like really disturbing for me. What are your thoughts? How should I, how do you think I should handle the situation? Because, you know, you're just out there and who you are, and I think that's wonderful. But have you ever had one of your children be affected by it in such a way? It's it's a good question. I don't know that they've been affected by it other than sheer embarrassment. <laughs> my my okay. oldest son more than my youngest son, I think, has always been um, 
Well, he wishes that I was normal. I know that he wishes that I was normal. And, like, after we we got divorced, uh, his father and I, we still just live a couple of blocks apart. So we're in this small town, and, you know, his father has a normal house, and his father's remarried, just like I'm remarried. But our house yeah. is right on the main street, and my porch is just covered in skulls and you know, and protection charms and bones and glass and uh, it's warded and there's blackthorn bushes. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's right on the main street and I know that he's, he, you know, he won't have people over sometimes because he's embarrassed about the way the house looks and all of the weird things that are in there. Um, but I, I raised them very much what you described. I did the same thing. I didn't feel right, you know, yeah. indoctrinating them into witchcraft but if they wanted to participate in something which they they did when they were little um as they got older they're about to turn 15 and 18 so they haven't really cared very much about what I'm doing (laughs) in a few years but um yeah but yeah I I I don't know you know like I've always kind of figured I'm not going to worry about it until I have to you know, if, if my yeah. son's girlfriend's parents were going to have a problem with me, then I would deal with it when, when it became a problem. But I don't know that I would worry right. about it before then. Um, yeah. But it is such an unfortunate thing because it has nothing to do with us or, you know, what right. we actually do. It's just their perception of it. Um, I yeah. I just, I found... I found it really distressing. I'm like, are we really back at this fucking point? I'm too old to deal with this bullshit. But the girl is lovely. I mean, she accepts me exactly the way I am. She is taken curious, which is fine. Uh, you know, my kids are like agnostic, but leaning pagan because that's what they're comfortable with, you know, now that they're adults, mm-hmm. as opposed to my mom's just a fucking whack. Um, which is, yeah. you know, nice. Um, <laughs> it's sometimes, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be the odd duck out. Like, is your spouse pagan as well? See, I call him witch adjacent. So okay. he's, he's open to everything. He does a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely pagan, uh, but he does a lot of yeah. rituals and ceremonies with me, but I don't know that he would call himself a witch. Pagan, yes. I don't know if he would right. call himself a witch. Yeah, but his yeah, parents are very strict I'm, Catholic. Oh, no, really? Oh, jeez. Yeah, wow. You're getting it are. from all sides. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. So did your did your family, like, did they recognize the fact that you were different? Did you ever, quote, unquote, come out to them, as it were? I really, I didn't really, only because it, it really was when when i mean they had been a problem in my family for a long time but when it really started to take over which happened well before i was ready to tell anybody i was a witch it it didn't matter it wasn't nobody was going to be upset at that point that i was a witch because they just had so many more bigger problems (laughs) than their daughter being a witch um so, you know, in, in that way, it, it wasn't an issue. Um, my, I haven't spoken to my mother in more than 10 years, and my father died in 2007. My dad would have been, well, he was. He was all for everything that I was doing, and he was certainly much more into me being a witch than me being a Christian. <laughs> he 
<laughs> just love cool. love that about me before he died. Um, but yeah, the the mother wound has nothing to do with religion. It's, it's very much about addiction, and um, her journey was very different from mine as a mother. And yeah, I just I didn't have the occasion to declare my witch identity to my mother, and that's fine. It just wasn't part of our story. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Because you know my. My mother had a competing podcast, <laughs> and she didn't, even, she didn't even know it. Yeah, she was she was doing a podcast about Jesus, and I'm over here doing Desperate Housewitches, and I, I just remember her asking me if I knew anything about podcasts. This was last year when my when my aunt had just before my aunt had passed away, her sister, and I was like, podcast? What do you mean? She's like, well, you know. I'm on the radio, and there I am, sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, I know nothing, mm-hmm. except for the fact that I've been on the air for over 11 years. Yep, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it was so weird. I'm like, God damn it. But, you know, here's here's what's funny. So mother died oh, two weeks ago tomorrow, and I get to the house, mm. right, and I've got, I've got my heathen prayer book, and her caretaker Bless her heart, is also a Christian, but not a beat you over the head with the Bible. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of like, that's what she believes, and, and she's fine with whatever, whatever, with anybody else. And she's got these two amazing sons whom I friggin' adore. They are now my nephews by adoption. And um, mm. I told them about me, and they were like, yeah, right on. So they were totally cool about it. And, you know, we started going through my mother's stuff, and we found, Danielle, if I tell you the weird shit that my mother fucking retained, I have in my possession a pair of five-inch clear heels that this woman had in her closet <laughs> along, with 70, along with 70 other pairs of, earring, of, of shoes that were also five inches high. And, you know, we have this joke at my yeah. job now that mom was churching on Sunday and hooking on Tuesday because <laughs> you should see the wardrobe. It's just <laughs> fucking nuts. And then I find her statue of Eros. For those who may or may not be familiar, Eros is mm. the Greek god of sex and sensuality and love. Lusty love. Mm-hmm. Lusty love. Um, so, <laughs> you know, mother was a, was a dichotomy even at, up until the end. Because um, the, mm-hmm. the statue was out for everyone to see, and I said to her caretaker, I was like, "Do you know what this is by any chance?" And she said, "No, but she loves it, and she's, you know, she always had it out here looking at it." And I was like, "Let me explain <laughs> a little something to you." So, you know, that was eye opener for her, and um, I swiped the clear heels because nobody would believe it unless I did. So, yeah, it's just been. Mm. The dichotomy of who we are as people in private, we think we understand who someone is. We haven't got a fucking clue. Um, so I had her ashes mm-hmm. delivered here, and I've got this lovely skull sitting on top waiting for her to speak at will. So we're going to give Mother some time <laughs> to rest after her journey to uh, see if she has anything to say before we dispose of her ashes. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a weird relationship and and i understand when you say mother wound 
girl. I got to tell mm-hmm. you, when my ex-husband was beating my ass uh, and I mm. wanted to come home with my children and she said no, I, mm. I was like, you and I are not going to make it as far as mother and daughter <laughs> go. That, it, is, it is not going to work out for us. And, you know, she lived to 83, and, and last year she had said to me, why? Because, you know, her memory was sliding really badly and getting worse by the minute since her sister had passed. She's like, why weren't we close? And I said, because you had no interest right. at all. And yeah. she had to, like, deal with that and recognize it. And I'm really sorry that you're not able to have interaction with your mom, but I get it. I was given yeah. so much shit for not wanting to talk to my mother for years and years and years. And, I mean, yeah. I would hear from her three times a year, my birthday, her birthday, Jesus' birthday, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it every year, you know. And Meanwhile, know, she's got these just, heels. <laughs> yeah, honey, I'm serious. I will send you a picture. The clear heels are real, and I am in possession of her clear heels. I'm like, how does this bitch even stand up on these things? I used to love heels. Cinderella she wore heels. Slippers. Uh, if Cinderella was a hoe, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so these we are know not that she pretty was. <laughs> oh, please. These were not pretty clear glass slippers. These are oh. hooker shoes, honey. <laughs> I will send you the picture. You will have your ass off. But... <laughs> so you know you went through a lot. You went through a lot of shit. You've got obviously similar parental shit as I do. We obviously mm-hmm. are, are mostly on the same page as far as you know the fact that children should be allowed to pick what they want to believe. Although I will tell you honestly, if my children wound up being Christian, I think I would shit a brick. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. I I believe in choice. All choice. Yeah. So it is what it is, but it would freak me out. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it actually, it came up when my youngest son was, um, God, how old? I don't know. He was, it was maybe six or seven years ago, so maybe he was around eight. But my my ex-husband, their father, when he was, um uh, his his now wife was his girlfriend, and my ex husband would have my children on Easter, and that was sort of how we arranged the custody with the holidays. And it was never a problem before, but when he started dating, who is now his wife, you know, she would go to church on Easter, and so he brought the kids, and it was like you know what I did with my bones and my sticks and other things in my house could of course not compete with this grand purple, yellow, gold cathedral that they were going into Uh, with the stories and the grandeur and all the people and the songs and everything that really wounded both of us when we were young. But for them, they didn't have an exposure to that at all. And so all of a sudden, you know, being met with that, there was uh, maybe about a year where I was worried because, 
he was yeah. very interested and, and, you know, he, I don't know that he asked for a Bible, but he was wearing this big gold crucifix <laughs> around his neck for a while. And I was like, you know, I wasn't sure who was going to get in his head. And of course he would have yep. all manner of resources if he were to ask, you know, well, what about Christianity? I mean, you could ask that on the street sure. corner here and there would be 10 people showing up to take you to church the next day. So you know, I was really worried about that, but luckily he kind of sorted it out without me having to necessarily do anything, do anything about it. Um, I, I remember it was it was Good Friday, um, and I forget what they were talking about. They were like learning about what Good Friday was or something, and my youngest son was like, "Well, Mom hates Jesus," <laughs> and I was like, "I don't wow. hate Jesus." I, you know, I don't hate Jesus. He's just not my God. And if I did hate Jesus, then right. Good Friday would be my favorite day. You know, now they talk about that. Oh, it's mom's holiday. Good Friday. <laughs> uh-huh. That's so funny. Did you ever want to just, didn't you ever want to just say to your ex-husband, listen, I purposely didn't do this shit to them. Why are you now yeah. introducing this? Was this was this because of oh. um, his his partner's influence, or was yes. is this something you think he may have been leaning towards? No, he he never. Um, I I was I met him when I was uh, eighteen years old, so I I knew him very well. We were together for almost twelve years, and he never was interested in religion at all. Um, he kind of tolerated my witchcraft in sort of like a pat me on the head kind of way, like oh that's so cute what you do. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. um so yeah, I was I did say that. I was like, you know, you know how strongly I feel about this. Why are you doing this? But it was because it, you know, his his girlfriend was um it was more about family with her, I think, than belief. I don't know for sure. I can't I don't know her very well, but um right. but it was I was trying to say, you know, this means so much more to me that they are not exposed to this when you don't really care about it one way or another. Um, but we ended up deciding that it would be their choice that they could go to church on Easter if they wanted to. And they've, uh, at least the past five years or so, they've clearly decided not to. So that's good. (laughs) Well, I mean, and yeah, I understand the curiosity because uh, my kids had a nanny that would take them to church occasionally, but um, never, never in a, in an attempt to indoctrinate them just because, you know, if I had to be on site somewhere and she had to take them, she would, if that was part of her routine, I certainly was not in a position to tell anybody, don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very appreciative because she didn't push it on them. They just would go with her and hang out and have fun with the other kids. So that was fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, being a parent who is not, part of any of the standard Judeo-Christian shit, it's not easy for us, is it? (laughs) No, I mean, right. It's so much more acceptable to be that way. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, at at best, I live in a very liberal place. Like, you know, most people don't have a hard time, I don't think, with 
what I have hanging in the window or <laughs> the way I've raised yeah. my kids. But I know that I'm yeah. still like the freak, you know, like I'm, I'm not like the normal one. <laughs> Which is totally I usually safe. don't mind. Totally but yeah. Sometimes, you know, you know I, sometimes it, it'd be nice. <laughs> it is nice because, you know, it, it's interesting because depending on who you're dealing with, people are very curious and open and, and ask questions, you know. I mean, my husband's pagan adjacent. He's a Buddhist, a practicing Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, but he always will tell you or anybody that comes to the house, the predominant gods of our house are my wife's gods. So it is is some (laughs) Buddhism with a lot of witchcraft thrown in, a whole mess of it, you know, because that's what people do. So, you know, the idea at this point, you know, I had this conversation that I was telling you about with my son. That was just this morning. So I'm first now mm. learning about the the, trepid, the potential trepidation um, from his spouse's family about when they find out about me because, of course, they're going to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and my son was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of agnostic, but I'm actually leaning pagan. I'm like, I know that, but you can't tell her that, not yet. I mean... They just met you, and, you know, you're trying to be on a good footing with them, and, you know, it's, it's important. Right. We, adore, we adore this person, but even in their 30s, family can hold a lot of fucking sway, and I am yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned because this girl is yeah. going to be part of my life forever, and I just don't want anybody giving her a load of shit just because her mother-in-law is pagan. So... That's kind mm-hmm. of my feeling about it. But um, yeah. getting back to the book, getting back to Bones and Honey, yeah. which I really should be doing. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I went off on a tangent like I do. It's very no rare worries. I get to talk to another pagan mom. Well, I mean, so you're just going to have to come back anyway. So, I mean, I'm just going to wrangle you into it. But, you know, you, the, first, the, first thing I ever, the first thing I ever saw of you was, Set it like a photo shoot that you had done, and there were these really beautiful photographs of the woods and you, and and I was like, yeah, she's like this hot fairy princess witch, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder how much shit she gets for being pretty. I always wanted to ask you that. Do you get a lot of shit for just being attractive? Because so many people are like all in their feelings. You can't look like this, and you can't look like that, and you can't act this way, and you can't be sexy. Have you had to, like, re- I mean, it's like almost like you have to excuse yourself for being attractive sometimes, right? I mean, have you gone through any of that shit? I hope not. Please say no. I I don't I don't think so. I know what you mean, though. I think that it's been more... Not so much. It's been more like my blondness. <laughs> I, am, I am blonde and have tried uh-huh. to counter my my blondness with getting as many tattoos as possible. Um, but my girl, yeah, like I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like didn't if start I getting tattoos if, until I was in my fifties. Preach, go for sure. That's right. I had this 
this terrible realization a few years ago where I realized, um, like, like my, my mother looks a lot, physically looks a lot like me. And uh-huh. as I get older, the more I look like her because, you know, my face is kind of sagging in the way that her sag, the way I remember her. So I feel like I'm looking more and more like my mother. Um, but my father was famously a great philanderer. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. like, it was, it was very much a part of his personality. It was pretty well known. It wasn't anything that w- was hidden. And it was, it was terrible the way he treated my mother. It was terrible. Um, yeah. But I, as a child, I remember meeting a lot of his girlfriends and his mistresses. And he definitely had a type. And that type was not my mother you know my mother my mother's like kind of tiny and blonde and he would date these very statuesque women um you know huge huge busts and like long dark hair that looked very um you know kind of like maleficent like it was pretty like angelina jolie (laughs) that's not what i aesthetically look like at all and i had this realization about 10 years ago that i've been like slowly morphing into like my dad's like morphing away from what my mother looks like and more towards like these tattooed gnarly biker women (laughs) my my father would say like kind of trying to wed both of them and like becoming the woman that like my father was attracted to it was such a weird thing like, I couldn't have came to that realization when he was alive I don't think but um right yeah so like trying to add this sharpness to the way I look even though you know I'm not consciously trying to do that but the piercings and the tattoos and yeah so so no I don't I really it. get shit for it anymore but I do think that that's because I'm tattooed and pierced all over the place <laughs> amazing to me I think you're like so stunning and because you are I mean you're just like Thank you. the magic just drips off you when you look at the picture it's like oh my god that is like the ultimate witch look at her she's phenomenal <laughs> um but yeah I mean I'm I, I I was a fan of you as a person not necessarily as a writer which now I'm becoming a fan of yours as a writer because Bones and Honey is just so fucking amazing and something I needed so badly during this really rough time. And, you know, it's funny to me Mm -hmm. because people who are not like us tend to hear us use the word prayer and dismiss it like, well, what are you praying to? You're not praying to anything real. You're praying to your imagination. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) really? You want to try that out with one of my gods? Come here. Come here, I'll show you what, what it looks like. No, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, sometimes the gods say no. Sometimes they say yes. Right. Like yeah. any other deity. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just fascinated by the fact that we are so discounted because we're not part of the uh, quote-unquote accepted religion. It fucking infuriates me, as you probably tell. But anyway. Right. Um, so in your journey yeah. come to write this particular book, is it because we didn't have a heathen prayer book or you didn't find one you liked? Or tell me the genesis of writing this book. I always loved the the books that um, would 
would kind of be organized in a similar way to Bones and Honey, where you didn't have to read it linearly and there would be, you know, certain chants and you could kind of open the book and see what was there for you. So I always, I had always wanted to write a book like that. Um, I don't, I didn't have the opportunity to do it until I had, you know, I had to put the book proposal together and kind of sell it <laughs> and make sure my publisher right. would be interested in it. And uh, I think that the books that I wrote previously before Bones and Honey, that I kind of had to write those first, like they, um, they're all very different. And I felt like, you know, of course, was very passionate about each of those as I was writing them. But it was kind of like those had to happen first before I was able to write a prayer book that was organized yeah. in this way where um, it's, it's about the, the power that's kind of housed in these archetypes, which are like these energetic containers of meaning. And, and they really are like small gods. Archetypes are very like small gods. Um, and mm -hmm. so you know, I, I, a lot of the prayers that are in the book, I had, had written them a long time ago and was just hoping that there would be, I would have the occasion to write a book where I would, there would be a place for these prayers to live. Um, so it was, it was very much a matter of, of shaping it and kind of piecing it together more with Bones and Honey than it was with my other books, which I wrote, you know, pretty linearly and, um, yeah. They're generally less poetic, <laughs> my other books, versus <laughs> Bones and Honey. It's like every, every, you know, every prayer, when you're writing a prayer book or a poetry book, every word kind of has to be just right versus if I'm writing yeah. just a general nonfiction book, I can kind of blather on for a little bit. And <laughs> it doesn't have to be like every sentence is amazing. Uh, but with Bones and Honey, I really had to craft it. So it's like every single word has to be in the right spot. Um, and I don't know that I would have been able to do that before. Wow. Yeah. So I, this is probably a really fucking stupid question, but I got to ask even the stupid questions. Do Please. you have a favorite in this book? Oh, a favorite. Well, my favorite chapter, so there's 13 chapters and each chapter is like the book of this or the book of that. So my favorite chapter is the um, book of stars, which is the first one. Uh, and it's very, oh my God. <laughs> isn't it? How good. Funny. I love because that one. My favorite, it's... my favorite piece is in it because a song for the Death Eaters, it's not what you guys think. Um, you gotta, you gotta read it. It's just incredible. Yes, that's my favorite one. I have it bookmarked right here. Oh my god, I was like, well, he's gonna pick something different. Oh, I love no, it. No, I, I love, love that one. I had to put it yeah. first because it's like, you know, when I talk about the the guilt of the visionaries or the guilt of the people that feel strangely hopeful given the global underworld journey that we're moving through. Um, you know, I really identify with that as, as I'm an Aquarian and I, I feel like I don't really get to see an amazing end to this collective story that we're living in this mm -hmm. incarnation. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily know that I get to see the happily ever after. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm like, you know, I'm here right. to kind of yeah. witch this place from the inside while I'm here and I'm hopeful that it will end well. I do believe that. I don't know that it's going to be tomorrow or to three right. years from now, but I do think that we're going in a good <laughs> direction, and that's not the popular, compelling opinion. And I, right. you know, I understand why that is, but 
you know, the visionaries kind of feel guilty. And if you're hopeful, you feel guilty. So I wrote the, the prayers that are in the Book of Stars are all about that. Um, so it is my favorite. Mm. Oh, that's, oh, I'm so glad. I text well. Good. Because uh, <laughs> that is, a, that is a, I'm telling you, the Book of Stars is just a great one. Also a huge fan, grandmothers, um, mm. big favorites in there. Um, yeah, I mean, the book is just so rich. And it's so much more than just, how do I say this? It's more than a prayer book, obviously, because it is poetry, because prayers, I believe, should be somewhat poetic, um, you know, and mm-hmm. enjoyable to speak when you speak them. If you're speaking to your deity or deities like, I mean, they're bored on board your horse. <laughs> this is right. so... You know, it's rhythmic and it 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 brings you in and it it encourages the vibe for what is being said because you write it in rhythm. Does that make sense? You write like a musician. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm married to a drummer and I was a singer. So for me, it's like I'm always looking for the song and everything. Yeah, <laughs> annoying. Wow, I'm sure. <laughs> But I love it. I just, it's so, it was very, for me, this book was so comforting. You know, I had a really long travel. It took me two days to drive in both directions. And mm. I, you know, when you're trying to quiet the mind, you need something to go to sometimes to get yourself out of your own head. And this book was so amazing to do that for me. And, you know, kind of calm my brain down because when someone dies and it was unexpected and you're the only kid really to like be there to take care of shit, it's mm-hmm. your, your brain just swirls on end until, you know, the you know the services and the this and the that and what do we do next and how do we sell, settle the estate and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. you know, I spent a lot of time just while I was driving just in my head trying to figure out all these different pieces of things that I really didn't have an answer for. And then I would get, like, to a hotel room, and I'd be like, I just need something to calm my head down, and this book did it. And it's it's just so beautiful. And it's not just prayers. It's wisdom. It's story. It's song. It's poetry. Um, if you don't know Danielle Zolski, where have you been hiding? Uh, because, quite frankly, she's around <laughs> a bit. Um, but this book, if you've not read any of her things, and I'm only saying this because this is my first book of hers that I've, that I've actually read. This is such a great book, and I encourage people to stop being afraid of words like prayer. We all do it in one form mm-hmm. or another. There's nothing wrong with the words. Not that word. There's other words with problems, but prayer is not necessarily one of them. It's all in perspective. Um, as I mm-hmm. said to Danielle earlier, you know, I got smacked around in a car by my ex-husband, but I didn't change the, the car to hamburger. It's still a car. It's okay. Mm-hmm. The car is fine. Just the shit that went on around it that was the problem. So, you know, don't be afraid right. of, of the word prayer because... Again, earnest request is what you said it means. Yes. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Our gods respond like all other gods. 
respond. Um, that's what deity does. <laughs> they respond how they respond, and they like appreciation and devotional, and I consider all of that prayer. So I really think, you know, this book is so rich with stories and, and history things of, you know, reaching back into your ancestry and you really venerate ancestors. I'm I'm working on that like a theme. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely got me pulled in on this one because you know the closer you get to to your time coming up, you know you want to understand more and kind of why we even show to begin with because Rena's in her sixties and she wants to know more shit before she dies. So thank you for contributing <laughs> to my knowledge. Um, this book is great. I. I, I just really hope that um, if you're writing something new, can do you, do you have anything you can share right now, or are you keeping everything under wraps, or what's the situation right now? I am writing something new. I do think it'll probably be a while before it meets the world, but it's um, it's kind of a it's, well, it's a book about fairy tales, which I know. Nice fairy tales seems like a kind of a mundane word, but that's the beauty of it because fairy tales were historically transmitted primarily by women. And so they were taken less seriously. And mm. in that way, they're kind of like tiny books of shadows. Every fairy tale has a spell or a ritual or a piece of magic in it. Um that really, you know, it wasn't hunted or hung. I mean, in some some cases it was outlawed, but for the most part they were sort of looked at as children's stories and they weren't a big deal. But And yet they were a big deal. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if we think about being children and the way we received certain stories, whether our grandmother told us that we were watching a Disney movie or whatever, there was magic in them. You know, there's a reason why the church didn't want us to watch in my case, it was Sleeping Beauty. That was like the big bad one. We weren't allowed to watch Sleeping Beauty um, because there's 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 spells tucked inside of there. Some stories have full-on, you know, casting a circle protection rituals in them or fertility spells. Um, so my new book is about all of that and, you know, being able to um, kind of harness the power that is housed within these stories, even the familiar ones and kind of look at them like, you know, we were kind of meant to wield them all along as if they were spells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Well, I hope I've annoyed you enough that you will come back on <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Danielle, tell people, where they can, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so I they, they can find me at two websites. So just DanielleDolsky.com, that's my name, or uh, TheHagSchool.com. I teach a lot through The Hag School. So those are my two websites. Everything that I do is on there somewhere. Are you teaching anything coming up? Like do you have like stuff ready to go right now that folks can inquire about? Yeah, I have, um, so on my website, com, I have a class coming up that is a storytelling class called The Witching Hearth, and that one starts at the equinox and goes until, well, through Beltane. So that's my next big thing. So, Danielle, you are so sweet and so kind, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
I'm looking forward to when I get to speak with you again. Thank you again. Everybody, the book is Bones and Honey, a Heathen Prayer Book. Danielle Dolsky, author of The Holy Wild. Okay, a reminder about that, too. The book is fantastic. I highly recommend you pick it up. It's, it's a lovely, lovely book. Danielle, take care, and thank you again. Thank you so much, Raina. A blessing to you. Blessing to you. All right, guys. That's it for today. I'll be back next week. Hopefully nobody will die. Hopefully nothing crazy will happen in my life. Stay safe. Try to keep away from the nut jobs. I know they're everywhere, but do your best. Love you guys. See you soon.